Welcome to, well, that fucked me up. It really did. A podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And each week we're going to be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing events. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Which is flipping awesome. Yeah. Because we're all about that. We're all about listening to people's stories about adversity and trauma and, and crazy stuff. I think there really is something for everybody. There's many, many topics, many, many guests, people that really have got through uh, some extraordinary things. Please share the love, share the show, get in touch, follow us, subscribe, click. We're trying to make it easy and open for people to discuss things that may normally feel tricky to do so. Um, We've been on an extraordinary journey and we're glad you can join us. Enjoy the show. Right, so this is another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up. That's a podcast with Luke Coulson and Kyle Wise. I'll be going solo on this particular uh, chat. I'm very happy to be joined by Christina. Hi, Christina. Hi, Luke. Um. It's funny because the title of our podcast always seems to have people go, oh, 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 yeah, that, I've got a story about getting, being fucked up by something. <laughs> and it's really quite an amazing journey that we're on. Um, so, Christina, we will start wherever you want to start. Um, I think probably the best way would be for you to let us know why you felt that this was possibly a, a good topic for you to get a handle on and then we can chat through that. Yeah, well, like, as you said, well, that fucked me up. An immediate thing came to mind in my life. Um, it was a relationship with a guy who ended up being very abusive. Gotcha. Um, so that really did fuck me up. It was sort of the watershed moment of my life, you know, but it really changed me. Um, and it was really the most difficult experience of my life so far, hopefully, <laughs> to go through it, again, you know, anything similar like that again. Wow. But it was one of those things that even though I wouldn't want to go through again, I sort of am grateful that I did. Now, that's a very, very interesting thing that you say that because so many of our guests along the way have said those exact same things because what they learned from it and how they've grown from the experience is something that maybe they wouldn't have been able to do had they not gone through it. But if we can just go back a bit, what age were you when you were in this relationship? And if you don't want to go into detail, you don't have to. But what sort of what sort of thing are we talking about and how long did that last? Yeah, well, I was about uh, let's see when I met him, I was about 43. So I I wasn't uh, you know, I didn't really have youth as, Mm -hmm. you know, an excuse. Mm -hmm. I was well, I was divorced. I had a son. Uh, I worked as a journalist. I'd been living in Latin America for 10 years Mm -hmm. and worked as a foreign correspondent, what have you. But this guy came along and um, just sort of what they call now, what I've learned the term for it is love bombing. Right. And basically just, you know, called me, you know, asked me out for a date the minute he met me, um, just wouldn't sort of send me flowers, just, you know, he actually lived out here in California. This is how I ended up in California. I was living in Florida and Miami at the time was for him and um he would come out you know at a drop of a hat or i just had to see you oh, wow. had to, you know know what you were doing and 
you know, I had to hear your laugh and, you know, what do you, you know, this whole thing. Right. So I was immensely flattered right. by the whole thing. You know, it seemed like a Hollywood romance come true. Gosh. Um, yeah. So that's how it seemed at first. Right. You know, and that was very much by design. It sounds like then he, started, it sounds like this is a pattern for him and he knew what he was doing, or you think that this is legitimately well, how he might have felt I've, at the time? Yeah, this is what I've learned about abusers, you know, uh, domestic violence and, and uh, the, the abusive sort of personality. It's very much by design and they sort of woo you very hard to, to get you in and they get you sort of, a, you know, you get sort of emotionally hooked on them. And once they sort of, you know, determine that you're emotionally hooked, then the abuse really, you know, ratchets up. Gosh. Um, so it was mostly, you know, emotional abuse, a few things of physical abuse. One time I tried to leave him and he threw me across the room. Oh, my goodness. Um, luckily, I landed on the bed, not the, the, the dresser. Oh, things my like gosh. That. Um, but he was just, um, you know, it was just one of those experiences that once I got into, I couldn't get out of, yeah. um, you know, many things are much easier to get into than, than you get out of. Well, the emo- and, the, I guess the emotional abuse and that form of manipulation, I, I actually experienced something like that in my twenties is a, is a, is a horrendous thing. Because it's almost a form of, sometimes it's a form of brainwashing when you're in a relationship with somebody and they they somehow, bit by bit, chip away at you and get control. They gain control over you, right? Yeah, that's, exa- yeah, that's exactly it. And it's, you lose your sense of, of self. Yes. And as I said, I was, you know, pretty successful, accomplished, what have you. And, you know, I felt like a hook, line and sinker for this this guy uh, who I actually told at one point, I think you're the angel sent for me from heaven you know, that I deserve. And I mean, I just thought, and then he would, he was very erratic and he would have these very odd, you know, behaviors. And, um, but then he would, you know, apologize or have some sort of minimize it or have some sort of justification or excuse for it. Right. And, and of course, I would just, you know, I wanted, it's, it's almost like he was apologizing for, you know, being himself, rescuing me for, from himself. So then mm. you become like so grateful after the abusive episode uh, where he'd be, you know, yelling at me, oh, calling no. me names. One time he left me stranded on a beach and, you know, came back for me three hours <sighs> later. I mean, all sorts of really. Yeah. You know, things and, you know, looking back on it, I think, how did I, why did I stay with him? You know what I mean? Why didn't I see this at the beginning? Because I did see it. Yeah. But I made excuses for it. And because I wanted this relationship because the the highs were really high, the lows were really low. But then after the lows came this big high Mm. and I was back on the pedestal again. Yes. And so um, at what point did you? realize you needed to get out how long had you been in that relationship and what did you think in terms of how you were supposed to escape that that person yeah so as after uh he sort of browbeat me and i i gave up everything in in florida and i moved to to los angeles and it was soon after that and then the abuse and you know once he had sort of control because the other thing they 
do is isolate you. So now he had isolated me from family, friends. Yeah, 100%. um, So the abuse, you know, starts, it's it's a little more frequent and, you know, ratchets up up in in, in intensity. So I realized very quickly I'd made a big mistake, but it was too late. You know, I'd made this huge commitment. So I tried to make the best of it and I tried to get him therapy. You know, he said, He'd had a, a bad childhood. I believe he suffered from borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Um, so I tried to get him to therapy, to get help, to get some sort of mood stabilization uh, medicine. But, he, he, you know, he, he would say he would go and never, never went. Mm. So he didn't, after, he didn't want to, he didn't want to be helped, I guess. I mean, often we find out, don't we, that people who are the abusers have some sort of or similar abuse in their childhood. There's lots of trauma often going on. Um, but yes, if he didn't want to be helped, he didn't want to be helped, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't, you know, drag him into a, a nope. you know, shrink office nope. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, as much as I wanted to, yes. uh, you, you know, and he would say, I, I tried to do it once and I couldn't go there. It was Got just it. too painful and, and, you know, things like that. And so I felt an, an immense sort of empathy and sympathy for him. I really wanted to, to help him, but I mean, I, but you can't, you know, sure. unless somebody wants to help themselves. Sure. So it, <clears throat> so it just, you know, by the time it was maybe nine months after the move to LA, about a year into the relationship altogether, that I, I just knew, you know, I felt I was going crazy. I felt like I was completely, you know, shattered. Yeah. And I sought the help of a therapist who immediately said, you know, you're in an abusive relationship. You've got to get out. Yes. And it will probably be the hardest thing you've ever done. Ugh. And um, it was. Yeah. You know, it really was. But uh, push came to shove when I finally tried to get him some help. And he accused me of brainwashing him and trying to poison his pills and went into one of his rages, you know, sort of turn on the spot Jekyll and Hyde oh rages, goodness. which are really terrifying. And I just at that that particular one when he accused me of poisoning his pills and trying to kill him, oh I just knew gosh. this was a dangerous guy. Yeah, I knew I just had to get the hell away from him. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that was just the moment I said, "Okay, now I see." <laughs> Absolutely, it. it's almost like enough is enough. And I think you you wait and you wait and you think this is maybe this will get better, maybe this will get better, and you're like, "Well, hold on, it's not getting better. If anything, it's getting worse." And as soon as you're in fear of your life or your safety. You know, but how how was it? How easy was it for you to leave him? Did you just make a clean break? Well, I tried to. I, I tried to make a clean. I just called a moving uh, company. You know, loaded everything in the van and and left, and put it in. Put my furniture and everything in storage. And I went to a hotel. Uh, he said, "Where are you going?" And I just said, "Oh, at hotel by the airport." And later on, he told me, you know, he went searching for me. Of course, you know, at every hotel by the LAX. Oh my god! And um, searching parking lots, going in, asking for me by name, things like that. Um, but he stalked me. He knew where I went. Um, you know, he started stalking me. So he found me fairly quickly. Um, wow. And I ended up talking to him. You know, he calmed down and everything. Uh, I was, I got a job then and I was able to get an apartment and I was had gone from the hotel to a friend of a friend's house. Um, she, she was away. <clears throat> so I ended up going back with him, Wow! but I didn't move in back with him. And that right. was the key thing. It was almost like, and this is what I've also read 
is you have to wean yourself off. I mean, this is like a, an addiction. Yes. I had to wean myself off him. So, so moving out from him was a key step. Yes. I got space. Yes. And of course, that's what they don't want. That's one of the things is they don't want to give you time to think. Yes. When you think, because then you notice. <laughs> of course. This guy's nuts. Yes, whatever. of course. Goodness gracious me. Okay, so then what was next and what was the realization for you and, and how did that affect the the following years for you and what I guess you know what did what how did that change you yeah so after that so after I got sort of back with him in this sort of you know more distanced way it lasted you know another three months three or four months I think and um and that was it and then I felt and I was going to um therapy I discovered also Al-Anon so I was able to make a clean break uh at that point. And I, and as the therapist said, you, you just, you're going to have to bring down the iron curtain and just hold it because right. he's going to be banging. And of course he did, you know, he was calling me, had his friends call me. He, uh, you know, was all over social media. I had to block him, you know, I was going yeah. <laughs> like whack-a-ball that game. Oh my God. whack a I was like, you know, doing all this yeah. and block him every, every time I, you know, I forgot something. He would pop out. Oh my God. Uh, he would call me at my job, you know, uh, knowing that I, I would, I had to, when I had to answer the phone, things like that. And I would call down to the security guard and say, is there anyone out there? Oh my you know. God. So finally he would sort of fade in and out, you know, I mean, he would pop up, then he would go down, you know, sort of underground, gone to go, go to ground, up and down. So finally, after a year, I thought I was finally rid of him. I hadn't heard from him for a while. And then he filed, uh, I was served with papers at my workplace for a restraining order. Basically, all the things that he'd done to me, he alleged that I did to him. Oh, my gosh. And this sent me, you know, into another tizzy, completely emotional um, distress. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, eventually, I, you know, it took nine weeks. I couldn't do anything at work. I would just sort of stare at the computer screen. And uh, finally, the judge tossed it. I mean, it was nothing. Finally, I got a lawyer. And um, Do you think he was, in that it sounds like in that year that you didn't hear from him, he was plotting your downfall in some way, <laughs> which is yeah, yeah, obsessive, he was, he was, to yeah. say the least. He wanted to get back, to, back at me, you know, it was revenge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he knew his way around courts and, oh and all those sort of things, so that's what he did. I mean, his, his filing was completely, it didn't make, make sense. Sure. It's something, yeah, I mean, it was just almost illegible. So, you know, that got tossed. And after that, I, I haven't heard from him. It was like that when he knew if he did kept harassing me, I had this, you know, now, um, you know, it was on the court record that he had ever actually harassed me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in the court thing. So, um, yeah, so it was just so after that, it took quite a while to recover from that. I had to. um so I said, I found a domestic violence support group. And what was amazing with that is that, you know, every woman, um, when you went around the table, had exactly the same story. I mean, you know, change a few details mm. and it was almost the same thing. And I did a lot of reading about it as, as well and found, you know, yeah, what I'd gone through was actually fairly common. It's giving me chills. And I think, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I had a, in my early 20s, I had a, a horrible manipulative relationship with somebody and I I, I became a, a 
I became trapped in my own home. And I, I, what you said, all my phone numbers were deleted. I was alienated. I wasn't to talk to my family or friends. And it was all for my own good. And God, I, I'm a super clever human being. God only knows how that happened. But it's slow manipulation, isn't it? And you get into this situation where, well, hold on, this person was wonderful and lovely and I fell in love with them. So I guess that part of them's coming back at some stage, you know? Yeah, it was, it's a cycle, you know, and, and, and the, they call it the wheel of domestic violence, this sort of, you know, honeymoon phase, then it starts ramping up, then there's this explosion, then there's the makeup phase, and it's, a, you know, mm. then it's sort of quiet for a while, and then it's, you know, it just goes round and round. Right. And, um, you know, it really, you, you find yourself walking on eggshells mm-hmm. because you just don't know what's going to trigger the yeah. rage, and the rages are really terrifying. And so how's... um. And I think it's a confidence thing attached to that as well. You're talking about kind of having to rebuild, but I think one loses a sense of oneself, you know, going through something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, what's wrong with me? Why Why hadn't I um, seen this? Or I, why I did see it, so why didn't I react, you know? Yeah. And so that's I, I really had to take a look, hard look at myself and why was I so vulnerable to this? So I had to do a lot of work on myself, Um you know, to self-esteem, self-confidence, um, you know, why I had, had, you know, focused on career as, as opposed to, you know, looking at myself. I was always focused to, you know, I was a journalist, so that the focus of journalism is always on the other person that you're writing about. You know, it's never on you. You're just in the background writing, um, you know, and how that had played into it and things like that. And, um, and just a thought that, you know, something like this could never happen to me. Wow. Know? So often when we have guests on our show, um, we talk about the experience and we talk about the survival of the experience and coming out the other side. And most of the time, our guests have moved on to do something to set up a forum or in order to help others and teach others. And I know you've written a book. And what, what do you want to tell us about that sort of stuff and what you did after that to kind of get your get yourself aligned and possibly reach out to other people. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I, I write, you know, and I, I do write fiction. So that became a, a key way. Um, after I sort of educated myself on this whole abuse of domestic violence, abusive relationship, dating violence, whatever you want to call it. Um, I saw that there are definite red flags, as you say, the isolation, the, the gaslighting, um, all this, the, the, the love bombing at first is mm. all part of these, it's all these red flags. And of course you can misinterpret them, which is what exactly what I did. You know, I thought him calling me all the time because, you know, he just couldn't stand not, you know, he just, I was on his mind all the time when really he was establishing, he was checking up on me and oh establishing control. Yes, you know? of course. Things like that. And, and um, the isolation. Well, you're friends with her. Why, Christina, you're, you're, you know, she, she's jealous of you. Oh my you goodness! Away from yeah, she's jealous. So way above them. Why are you friends with them? You Oof. know this kind of weird um, manipulation, yes. which was almost like a, a compliment. You know, it's like complimenting yes. you, yeah. but at the same time, completely undermining your friendships. My goodness, and stuff like that. So I felt very strongly that if people were more educated about these red flags and what they actually were, you know, they, you can avoid these falling into these relationships. So I ended up writing a um, young adult novel called girl on the brink. And um, 
you know, about loosely inspired by my um, story, you know. Very good. Wow. Um, so it's, you know, obviously this didn't happen to me as a teenager, so I wrote in a teenager's voice and, you know, I had to change details and whatnot, but it basically follows the progression of my story. And, right. and even after the breakup, how the, the, you know, the obsession and the pursuit of me, and then I found this support group. My character goes to the support group um, until finally, you know, <clears throat> and she writes poetry about, you know, mm. getting through it and things like that. So that's, yeah, so that was a key thing for me, um, was writing the book. And whenever I speak about it, 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 it doesn't even, it's a writing group or a book club or a mm. women's group. Um, I get people coming up to me afterward and, you know, sometimes crying, seeing that happen to me too. Wow. Um, it's, it, that, uh, that whole writing, that whole writing a book, it, even though it was a fictional novel and you said it's sort of a parallel to your experience, must have been quite a cathartic, but also quite an emotional experience. Did that take you back to some places you didn't want to be? Yeah, the good thing was it, it spurred me on to finish the book sooner. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> write faster to get out of that situation. Right, write faster, exactly. write faster. I'm just going to get through this. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah so it, interesting that we had a guest on who, similarly, he had an abusive um relationship with his father and his father was an alcoholic and uh there was an extraordinary story that he told where his father tried to to, to kill the both of them and drove head tried to drive head on into an oncoming truck he uh this this guy um he made a film he made a doc he made a, a mockumentary about his life through the eyes of another person but it was really just a way for him to tell his story and get it all out there you know it's just so interesting what people do and and the different ways there are in which you can just take the experience that could have finished you, but actually make it a, make the story a better story for yourself and get out there and help others. It's really quite inspirational, you know? Well, one of the things is, is you know, I was dreadfully ashamed of this, ah, of myself. Yes. And I was, I, I mean, I felt humiliated. Yes. Completely humiliated and... Uh, ashamed, and I think the only way to break through that shame is just to own it. Wow, you know, own it. So yes. that's why I speak on you know podcasts and conferences, whatever. I, I just you know, and I think this is one of the things of domestic violence is because you know people who survivors they're just so embarrassed by it. You know, people have a great shame because there's a lot of victim blaming involved. Oh uh, yeah. So the only way to get rid of that is you know, by making it not something to be shameful of. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, we hear that word shame a lot um, across all sorts of reasons why people are, have come on the show, you know. Um, is there anything else we need to, or you would like to plug while we have you um, as we wrap up this wonderful discussion? No, just that I, I now I'm, I'm a volunteer facilitator for the support group at um, you know that I once went to years ago. So now I you know sort of lend my experience to the to other people going through the same thing. And um, yeah, my my website I you know can be in your show notes. Uh, I've got a set, new edition of the book coming out uh, in June, so slightly improved. And the the book one more time is called Girl on the Brink. Yes. And I suppose our listeners can find it everywhere and anywhere. They type it in and off we go. This is the world yeah, we live so in these days. Usual, you know, Amazon and, and the 
usual suspects. Audible is also an audio book. Brilliant. Well, hopefully this episode, as I'm sure it will have done, is, you know, going to shine a light on, you know, abuse, domestic violence, domestic abuse. Um, we haven't had a, 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 sh- a specific episode that's just concentrated on that, actually. So this has been fantastic. And uh, it's really eye opening, as always, with all these stories. I seem to crazily, I seem to resonate with almost all all the stories of all our guests that come on um but certainly that being trapped in a relationship and being um manipulated uh is just it's just awful and terrifying and i'm happy you got out of there and lived to tell the tale yeah thank you it's it is and the thing is once when you're in it you, you can't really see your way out and it's very difficult, you know, and of course, once you're out, then you look back and you say, well, how did I not get out of that? I just sort of walked out, but it just wasn't that easy. And people don't understand that sometimes, well, it's, which just leads it's, to the victim blaming. Oh, you know, of you could course. just leave. Well, it sounds like he didn't want you and he wouldn't, he didn't want you to leave and he wouldn't let you leave because when he, when he did, it sounds like he right. would do it. Any ideas where he is now? Do you care? No, I don't care. Uh, he actually did, uh, let's see, a year and a half ago, slightly before the pandemic, he, I did hear from him, and it was, all, it was 10 years to the day that we had in court. It was really almost to the day. I, I can't remember the day, but wow. it was October. October, you know, 10 years later in October, I get this odd message on Facebook from some random person saying, so-and-so wants you to call him urgently. This is his number. No. You know, because I had blocked him. I mean, he's still blocked on all these things. But he had found, you know, some friend or whatever. This was a trick, yes. He also sent me a message through LinkedIn. And and I just went, delete. So it was a great feeling um, to do that. Because at one point when I would see him run into him, you know, I would, my stomach would churn, my legs would tremble. My, you know, I felt I'd have to hang on to something not to fall down kind of a thing. You know, like my... Knees would shake. Oh my goodness! And now, yeah, it was just like him. Yeah. Brilliant. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and that Fall seems that. that seems like the perfect place to end. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's great to meet you, and we will put all the links and all the information in the show notes. And um, take care, and thanks for coming on. Oh well, thank you.